Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Okay. Bingo. Okay, moving right along. I want to thank you for tuning in. Here go another death blow to Christianity and the Christian God. Last night I talked about the... um, that were done by Christian scholars in various books admitting that the four Gospels were forgeries. Now, we saw in that class last night that bishops of the Christian church, scholars, authors, wow, man, and all kinds of um, writers, of Christianity, who believe in Christianity, who promote Christianity, admitted in their writings that the four Gospels were, were, were forgeries, that they don't know who wrote them. One thing is for sure, they were not written by any disciples of the Messiah. In these quotes, you heard them say Christian bishops, scholars in their writings saying they don't know who wrote them and that the names associated with those writings were added to those anonymous documents sometime later. Just about all the quotes I gave last night except for one talked about how that The Gospels didn't even surface or had not been shown until the second half of the second, second century A.D. Second half meaning from the year 250 on up to the year 300, I mean 299. 
sometime after the, from the year 250 on up to 299, the gospel surfaced. Why did it take, you know, 200 years or more? for the Gospels to surface. If they were real writings of the Messiah and his disciples, they would have been in circulation the day, the day he died or the day after, or that year at the very least. Now, you can say what you want, but I have never lied on what I said was in the Christian Gospels, and I never lied on um, what's been written about the Christian God, Jesus Christos. I am not coming against the Messiah who I know came and died for our sins. But I am coming against the lies that's written about him by the satanic New Testament scribes. Most of my enemies, when they take a sit down and hear what I'm saying, they, they I mean, they know that I'm telling the truth. Their thing is how to stop me from telling the truth. And I can tell you right now, none of these punks that's in my uh, uh, groups watching me now are going to do anything. They're not going to bust a grape. They can't stop y'all way through me. Yahweh has shown me the assassination attempt. Attempts against me. And Yahweh is going to bless me to survive each one. Now, I know how that sounds. Sound like I'm saying I can't be killed. Oh, no, I can be killed. But I know a real threat when I see one, and there is no real threat against me now. Just got a bunch of weak damn fools that just want want me to shut up. But those of you all in the know know that the things I'm saying are actually in the gospels. They are lies against our Messiah. My enemies who don't like me revealing these things are cowards toward their own religion. I'm standing up for the truth about their God more than they are. They love the lies against their gods, and they hate me, and I'm the one that's revealing the truth about their God. I'm telling you that the Christian Messiah is a myth. Jesus Christos are two names of Satan. There were uh, two powerful gods in Europe before Christianity, and they, their name was Jesus and Christos. Jesus of the Jews and Christos of the Hindus. And there was a merger between the newly formed Christian movement and paganism. 
and they all joined together They are all joined together. I mean, they all joined together with the blessings of the Roman government to form one united religion in Europe. And they met to vote on what the name of the new god of the new religion would be. And they chose the two most powerful gods of pagan Europe. Because if the two most powerful gods of pagan Europe are brought into the new government-created and government-backed religion, then the masses of the Europeans and other people of other races will come and join this new religion. Because what makes those gods the most powerful gods is that They have the most followers. So, you know, the Romans, the Roman government didn't want to unify all the, the pagan religions into within with Christianity and give the name of this new God based on false gospels the name of some God that didn't have many followers. So they chose the most two, the two most powerful gods of pagan Europe. Jesus and Christos, and made them the new names of the new God of the newly formed Roman government-sponsored state-backed Christianity. And with the, uh, the, uh, the massive hordes of the uh, worshipers of Jesus and the worshipers of uh, Christos joined, that constituted a majority and the most the most and the and most of the religious power of uh, Europe. The merger of the, the demon Jesus and the demon Christos into a state sponsored religion meant the merger of the two largest and most powerful and the wealthiest religions into one new religion. At that point, it became that either the rest of religions, you know, fell in line or they get run right over by this new religion. So each God has so many followers. Nobody could compete. Now, What I did is, is go into the libraries or every library wherever I was at in whatever city I was in. And I went to the in, in, in and talked to the people at the desk. I said, I'm doing a research on the Gospels of the New Testament. Can you tell me what how most of the books are on concerning the Gospels? And where are all of your encyclopedias 
secular and religious, and your dictionaries. Man, I was going there, and I made copies of every page that had something revealing about the authorship and the origin of the gospel, as well as the picture of the cover of the book, and I collected them all. Now, last night I gave you, I went through a number of the quotes of all these religious, Christ, I mean, these Christian bishops, authors, learned men. Wow. And um, in just about every book I ran across, you know, and I was in those aisles for days, just taking my time. I wasn't rushing, copying all these references. And in just about every one of them, I mean, no, 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 excuse me, um, you had to go through at least five of the books to find one that really addressed the authorship of the Gospels or, or the date of origin. And just about every last one of them just about every last one of them stated they don't know who wrote the Gospels. They don't know when they were made. They know that they were not written by any disciples of the Messiah or anybody remotely connected to him. And the name, they were anonymous documents, and the name Jesus and Christos were added to those documents at a later date. They admitted that they were not written by the disciples, so therefore they're forgeries. That's what last night was about. Christian confessions that the Gospels are forgeries. Go to the talk shoe page and read. And listen to those. I mean, I mean, and listen to those um, teachings that I read to you. Those quotes I read to you. Go there. Go to the New Testament conspiracy page and scroll down to that class. Gospel confessions that the uh, I mean, Christian confessions that the gospels are forgeries. Now, the class for the night is similar. Here it is. See that? Christian admissions. Taken from Digits by Robert Taylor, 
a collection of statements by early popes, church fathers, and Christian writers which prove that Christianity is a man-made religion. Whoa, man. If you want to see it online, I don't, know, I don't think this is online. But anyway, okay, but anyway, let's move along. In the beginning of the book, it starts off saying this. On page, chapter 6, page 30, it reads. Now watch this closely. Listen to this. In the year 1444, Caxton published his first book ever printed in England. It goes on to say, in 1474, the then Bishop of London, in a convocation of his clergy, said, if we do not destroy this dangerous invention, it will one day destroy us. It goes on to say, it's talking about if we don't destroy Christianity, it'll one day destroy us. And this was the Bishop of London. It goes on to say, the reader should compare Pope Leo X's avowal that, now listen to this closely, it was well known how profitable this fable of Christ has been to us. Chapter 6, page 30. See the footnotes. Here's a quote that's attributed to the Pope. Pope Leo X's avowal stating, it is well known how profitable this fable of Christ has been to us. Wow, man. Fable, that means untrue. I have published a book. It's online. You can see it at www.sinsofjesus. I mean, sinsofjesus.org. www.sinsofjesus.org. Now. Let's look at another one. Listen closely. It says, in studying the writings of the early advocates of Christianity and fathers of the Christian church, where we should naturally look for the language that would indicate the real occurrence of the facts of the Gospels, if real occurrences occurrences they had ever been. Not only do we find no sort, such sort of language, but everywhere we find any sort of sophistical ambiages, ramblings from the subjects, and evasions of the very business before them, as if of purpose to balk our research and insult our skepticism. If we travel to the very sepulchre of Christ, we have only to discover that he never was there. He was never there. History seeks evidence 
of his existence as a man, but finds no more trace of it than a shadow that uh, flitted across the wall. It says, the star of Bethlehem shone not upon her path, and the order of the universe was suspended without her observance. She asked with the Magi of the East, where is he that is born king of the Jews? And like them, finds no solution of her inquiry. But the goddess that guides as well to one place as another. Descriptions that apply to uh, Esculapus as well as to Jesus. That's Esculapus, uh, Esculapus, as, as well as to Jesus, mean as from one God as well as to Jesus. Descriptions that apply to Esculapus as well as to Jesus. Prophecies without evidence that they were ever prophesied. Miracles, which those who are said to have been seen are said also to have denied that they saw. Narratives without authorities, facts without dates, and records without names. This is what is being said about the Christian religion. We're not necessarily dealing with the Gospels. We did that in the show last night. Christian confessions that the gospels are forgeries, forgeries where I took the, uh, uh, the writings of Christian bishops and authors and showed you what they admitted the gospels were, were forgeries. Now, this one is titled Christian Admissions that Christianity is a man-made false religion. Man. Evidence, prophecies without evidence that they were ever prophesied miracles, which those who are said to have seen are said also to have denied they saw. Narratives without authority, facts without dates, and records without names. Wow, let me move on. Let's look at some of the admissions. Admission one, taken from the book Digesis, under the, under the subtitle title, Christian Admissions. Admission one, we're going to read a number of them. We find St. Stephen, the very first model of Christianity, in the very city where its stupendous events are supposed to have happened. And as our Bible chronologies inform us, within the very year in which they happened, and on the very occasion on which, above all others that could be imagined, he must and would have borne testimony to them as constituting the evidences of his faith, that justification of his conduct, and the grounds of his martyrdom. Nevertheless, 
no such testimony. Yea, not so much as glancing at those events, but founding his whole argument on the ancient legends of Jewish superstitions. What a falling off is there. In other words, in the cities where Stephen was at at, and was performing all these works the gospel said, there's not a single record of him ever being there and doing any of those things. A mission two. We find St. Paul, the very first apostle of the Gentiles, expressly avowing that he was made a minister of the gospel, which had already been preached to every creature under heaven, Colossians 1 and 23. Preaching a God manifest in the flesh who had been believed on in the world, 1 Timothy 3.16, before the commencement of his ministry and who therefore could, could have been no such person as the man of Nazareth, who has certainly not been preached at that time, nor generally believed on in the world to ages after that time. The mission two is talking about how Paul in Colossians 1.23 said he was a minister of the gospel which had already been preached to every creature under heaven but the gospel of Jesus Christos hadn't been preached at all. You know, he said he was preaching a God manifesting the flesh, who, talking about Jesus Christos, who had been believed on in the world, 1 Timothy 3.16. But he had not even been believed on in Jerusalem, much less the world. So, who is he talking about? Nimrod, the false messiah, way back in Babylon, because this God Paul was talking about, according to Colossians 1.23 and 1 Timothy 3.16, that he was proclaiming, uh, whose message he was proclaiming he was the minister of, that, and that whose message had already been preached to every creature under heaven. And that was believed on by the world already, had already been preached and believed on. That wasn't uh, Jesus Christos. The, the, the movement hadn't even, hadn't even started. This is not Christianity. Okay, let's look at admission four. It is most essentially remarkable that as these acts of the apostles bear internal evidence of being a much later production than the epistles and gospels and are evidently mixed up with the journals of real adventures of some traveling missionaries. Now watch this. They are not mentioned with the epistles, and Gospels, which has constituted the ancient writings of the therapeutes. Chrysostom, Bishop of Constantinople, 
AD 393 informs us that at that time, this book, talking about Acts, was unknown to many, and by others, it was despised. So how did Acts end up in the Christian New Testament? In Mission 12, that in our times is a Christian religion, says St. Augustine, which to know and follow is the most sure and certain health called according to that name, but not according to the thing itself, of which it is the name. For the thing itself, which is now called the Christian religion, really was known to the ancients, nor was wanting at any time from the beginning of the human race until the time when Christ came in the flesh from which the true religion, which had previously existed, began to be called Christian. And this in our days is the Christian religion, not as having been wanting in former times, but as having in later times received this name. In other words, what it's saying, the Christian religion is nothing but the pagan religions that existed before it. Pagan religions that have been modified a little bit and given the Christian religion name. This is a mission 14. Mansour Dali, in his most excellent treatise called La Religion Catholique Romane Institute Parnuma Pompeii, demonstrated that the papists, that means the popes, took their idolatrous worship of images as well as all other ceremonies from the old heathen religions. Leaders of the Christian church admitting that the Christian church got its worship of images and bowed down to images as well as all their ceremonies from the old heathen religions. Okay. Uh, admission 15. Ludovicus Vivus, a learned Catholic, a Christian, one of the top Christians of his time, confesses that there could be no, there could be found no other difference between paganism and popish worship before images. But only this, that names and titles are changed. 
the images of Christianity are nothing but the same images of paganism or satanic religion. But the names and titles are changed. Admission 16. Epiphanius freely admits of all the heretical forms of Christianity, that is, of all that differed from his own, that they were derived from heathen mythology. Wow. He's, uh, uh, Epiphanius freely admitted that Christianity was derived from heathen mythology. These are quotes of Christians admitting that Christianity is a man-made false religion. Wow, man. It says in Emission 19, Dr. Mosham, among his many and invaluable writings, published a dissertation showing the reasons and causes of suppositious writings in the first and second century, meaning false, contradictory writings. And all own, says Lardner, that Christians of all sorts were guilty of this fraud. Indeed, we may say it is one great fraud, fault of the time that the writings of Christians are, are frauds, and they've been at it, still at it. Admission 20. And in the last place, says the great Casabon, it mildly affects me to see how many there were in the earliest times of the church who considered it as a capital exploit to lend to heavenly truth the help of their own inventions, you know, in order that the new doctrine might more readily be allowed by the wise amongst the Greeks. In other words, Kosselbon is saying that even from the earliest times of the church, many people felt it was a grand exploit to lend to heavenly truth the help of their own inventions or lies or frauds and false doctrine in order that the new doctrine might be more readily allowed by, by the wise among the Greeks. These are officious lies, they were want to say, were devised for a good end, from which source 
beyond question, sprung nearly innumerable books, gospels, which that and the following age, say, published by those who were far from being bad men, Wow. In other words, they wrote all these false books with officious lies that were devised for a good end. From which source, beyond question, sprung nearly innumerable books, which the people said were written by men who were not bad. In other words, the people believed the men that wrote the lies were not bad, and it was common for men to write lies in order to help their heavenly truth. This is a confession of what happened in the beginning of Christianity, and it said that because of this practice of writing lies to help to support your truth or to get people to accept your truth, sprung nearly in numerous books or gospels. Admission 22. This opinion has always been in the world that to settle a certain and assured estimation upon that which is good and true, it is necessary to, to remove out of the way whatsoever may be an hindrance to it. Neither ought we to wonder that even those of the honest, innocent, primitive, primitive times made use of these deceits for a good end that they made no scruple to forge whole books. Right here. Admission 22. Written by Da'ile on the youth of the fathers. Chapter 3, book 1. Even those of of the of the honest, innocent, primitive times made use of these deceits. Seeing for a good end, they made no scruple to forge whole books. This is what the Christians are doing. This is what the Christian church fathers and founding fathers and the early Christian scholars are, are making known about what the Christians were doing in at the beginning of Christianity seeing no wrong and thinking it's what they should do to forge entire books. And then when you think about my class last night, Christians' confessions uh, that the, uh, the gospels are forgeries, and then you see these kind of uh, testimonies. Wow, man. Uh, in the Commission 21, I left our part. It said, why should not a man have a free spirit? And what credit can be due to the holy oracles of God 
standing on no better evidence of being such than the testimony of those who we know have palmed the greatest falsehoods on us with the same gravity and as of equal authority with those holy oracles or with, you know, true writers of the creator. Calling the gospel books and the New Testament books the greatest falsehoods on us. <clears throat> Admission 22. People made use of these deceit, deceits, seeing for a good end they made no scruple to forge whole books. New Testament is a lie. What good end, good end was that which needed to be prosecuted by the forgery? A whole book. Wow, man. Uh, admission 23. But if, now this is a quote of Paul. Check out what Paul said. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Romans, uh, what is that, 3 and 5? Just think about that, what Paul said. If our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? I say you took the creator in a vain, false way. But in Paul's eyes, if they, if they perform unrighteousness in a way to promote the righteousness of the creator, what shall we say? In other words, what can we say? Now, we listen to what else Paul said in admission to, uh, that they're quoting in admission 23. For if the truth of God had more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I judged as a sinner? Romans 3, chapter 7, verse. Think about that. Let me read that again, what Paul said. For if the truth of God has more abounded through my lie, unto his glory, why yet am I also judged a sinner? Romans 3, 7. Why you judge a sinner? Because you lied on the creator. You took the creator in a false way. So Paul, by his own teaching, is saying that if his unrighteousness committing the righteousness of God, what shall we say? I mean, he's saying it's all right for a person to do unrighteousness if it commends the righteousness of the creator. And he said, if his lie, you know, you know, causes people to believe the truth, why is he judged a sinner? So he saw nothing wrong with lying in order to, you know, to get people to come to his truth. This doesn't make, he's saying he's a liar. Well, how can you truly believe him? But this is what the New Testament is about. The Apostle Father 
Hermas, who was a fellow laborer of St. Paul in the work of the ministry, who is greeted as such in the New Testament, and whose writings are expressly quoted as of divine inspiration by the early fathers, ingenuously confessed that lying was the easiest besetting sin of a Christian. His own words are, his own words, watch this. Oh, Lord, I never spake a true word in my, uh, in my life, but I have always lived in dissimulation and affirmed a lie for truth to all men. And no man contradicted me, but all gave credit to my words, to which the holy angel whom he's addressing condescendently admonishes him that as the lie was up, now he had better keep it up, and as in time it would come to be believed, it would answer as well as truth. Now, here's a quote from Hermes, who Paul was a fellow laborer of Paul, who admitted that lying was the easiest besetting sin of a Christian. And his own words are, oh, Lord, I never spake a true, a true word in my life, but I have always lived in dissimulation and affirmed a lie for truth to all men. And no man contradicted me, but all gave credit to my words. And saying that the angels told him, you know, if the lie was up, he'd better keep it up. And as in time, it would become, it would come to be believed. And that the lie would answer as well as truth. And this is what he's saying the angel told him. This doesn't make sense. I mean, he might have been, wow, man, that's deep. Are you understanding this? Christianity and the teachings of Christianity is a lie, just like we saw these quotes of the, uh, of the founding of fathers and early Christians admitting that whole books in the New Testament were forged. And that uh, uh, and, and, the, and the chief architects of Christianity, the apostle Paul, believed it was all right to tell a lie. And it was all right uh, to commit unrighteousness if it will lead people to the truth. Man, and Hermes, wow, man, confessed that lying was the easiest besetting sin of a Christian. And his own words are, oh, Lord, I never spake a true word in my life, but I have always, oh, man always affirmed a lie for truth to all men and saying an angel told him, keep the lie up as in time it would come to be believed and it would answer as well as truth. Oh, my, my, my. Oh, my, my, my. Oh, man. Wow, let's look let's drop down from admission twenty two to admission thirty two. Now, hey Andy, how you doing? 
The title of this class are Christian Admissions that Christianity is a False Man-Made Religion. We're looking at the quotes of early Christians who admitted that the whole thing is a lie. It was taken from the book Digesis by Robert Taylor. I'm reading for you the chapter um, Oh man, what chapter? This is by Robert Taylor, chapter six. Chapter six, Christian admissions. And they're admitting that the early Christians are admitting that Christianity is a lie. It was all they believed it was all right to lie. Some of them admit, admitted they never told a true word, and they used lies because they knew as time went on it would be believed and be uh, you know, uh, uh, as much as truth is, that the Gospels are lies. This is what it's saying. Let's look at um, – listen to this. Listen to this closely, you all. Admission 32, in the 4th century, the same great author instructs us that it was an almost universally adopted maxim, that it was an act of virtue to deceive and lie. When by such means the interests of the church might be promoted from the same book, this is Motion, Volume 1, page 197, and what I just read, I mean, page 198, excuse me. Moshem, M-O-S-H-E-I-M, Volume 1, page 198. It was a universal maxim. Meaning, in other words, everybody believed that it was an act of virtue to deceive and lie. This is what he's saying about the Christians. They believed that it was an act of virtue to deceive and lie when by such means the interests of the church might be promoted. And they've been lying since. That's the reason you fools in my group, in my chat room, hate me. Because I'm saying the Christian, that Christianity is a damnable lie in it. I mean, any truth in it leads to a lie, and anybody that worships it, it is ultimately worshiping a lie. And anybody that dies in it dies in a lie. And I'm quoting Christians' quotes, and you hate me and want to kill me. Last night I quoted from books I had gotten from the library everywhere. I went, regardless of the city where Christian scholars and bishops of the Christian church wrote that the Gospels were forgeries. They don't know who wrote them. And they, but one thing about it, no disciples of, the Christian, uh, of, of Jesus Christos wrote them. And you hate me because I tell you, wait a minute, man, the church has put a big one over on us. They got us thinking these things are true when they lie. And you hate me, and I'm showing you the proof. You want to kill me, and I'm showing you the truth. Well, kill me, you certainly going to have to do. And, and, you know, and I see it coming, and I'm mad enough to take my death blows. 
I'm not going out like a punk. Since I know assassination attempts are coming upon me, I'm going to make them worthwhile. I'm going to put in work every night I can to reveal this Christian damn lie if death is going to come on me. Damn death. Let death be praised in the end if I glorify Yahweh. Everybody scared of dying? Folks throwing around all that death madman, I wouldn't care. I'd rather die like a champion promoting Yahweh than to live like a weak damn fool. Admission 33. This is Mosham, Ecclesiastical History, Volume 2, page 11. He says, and as it regards the 5th century, he continues, the simplicity and ignorance of the generality in those times furnished the most favorable occasion for the exercise of fraud and the impotence of impostors in contriving false miracles was artfully propositioned to the credulity of the vulgar while the sagacious and the wise who perceived these cheats were uh, 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 over, over, over aware into silence by the dangers that threatened their lives and fortunes if they should expose the artifacts. In other words, people that saw the false miracles and saw the trick kept quiet because they knew the Christians would kill them and look, take their fortune if they said anything. Moshe, Ecclesiastes History, Volume 2, page 11. Woo-wee! And Mission 34. No, man. Um, Let me just, I'm going to skip admissions 35 through 40. Let's pick up with 41 because we run out of time. Admissions 41. But these compliances as Bishop Stillingfleck observes, were attended with very bad consequences since Christianity became at last by that means to be nothing else but reformed paganism as to its divine worship. In other words, the worship of Christianity is Satanism. And this is what Bishop Stillenfleck said. Christianity became at last by that means to be nothing else but reformed to paganism as its divine worship. Based on telling lies about our Messiah. Lies about our Messiah. Our Messiah came. When you go and he died for us, 
so that for the forgiveness of our sins so we might stand before holy Yahweh. And people hate me because they say I'm just trashing the whole concept of the Messiah, and they know that that's not what I'm doing. I'm saying the Christian version of the Messiah is a total fraud. It's a lie, just like all these quotes from early church uh, fathers and early church bishops and early Christians revealed to us that they forged whole books. They felt it was an honor to lie for their truth. They felt it was their calling to lie and deceive if the interest of a church was served. And I say that I'm not going to let them tell these lies on our Messiah. My enemies think because this channel is about the New Testament conspiracy against Yahweh and against our or our Messiah that I'm lying on the Messiah. I'm coming against the concept of the Messiah. No, I'm saying the Messiah came, but what's written about him is a lie. I'm saying our Messiah is coming back, but what's written about him is a lie. And people hate me and want to kill me and refuse to even look at why I say that it's a lie with ample proof of history and quotes in the scriptures itself and won't even consider that I am not coming against the Messiah. I am for the Messiah. I'm defending the Messiah. But that bastard in the New Testament that's being pawned off to us as being the Messiah is a damn lie. The Messiah came. He's coming back. He's going to destroy Christianity because of the lies against Yahweh and against him. At Mission 50, Wow. It is here to be attentively observed, says Mosham. Speaking of the church in the second century, that the form used in the exclusion of heinous offenders from the society of Christians, in other words, how they expelled the wicked from amongst them, was at first extremely simple, but was, however, imperceptibly altered enlarged by an addition of a vast multitude of rights and new models according to the discipline used in the ancient mysteries or Satanism. Moshe, volume one, page 199. Wow, man. It talked about how Christians imperceptibly, meaning without people being able to perceive what they were doing, altered and enlarged by an addition of a vast multitude of rights and new models according to the discipline used in the ancient mysteries. The ancient mysteries is Satan. 
Wow. Admission 51. The pro profound respect that was paid to the Greek and Roman mysteries, which is pure Satanism, and the extraordinary sanctity that was attributed to them, talking about the profound respect and extraordinary sanctity that was attributed to and paid to the Greek mysteries by the people. They looked at them with profound respect and extraordinary sanctity without knowing that these mysteries was of the devil. And he goes on to say, induced the Christians of the second century to give their religion a mystic air in order to put it upon an equal footing in point of dignity with that of the pagans or Satan for this purpose they gave the name of mysteries to the institutions of the gospels and decorated particularly the holy sacrament with that solemn title they use in that sacred institution, as also in that of baptism, several of the terms employed in the heathen mysteries and proceeded so far at length as to even adopt some of the rites and ceremonies of which those renowned mysteries consisted. Ooh, do you Oh. Wow. And they, they, got, they got our mothers in this and our fathers and our sisters and brothers in this mess. And in these groups, I let these people come into these groups and talk against me while I teach. If I didn't want them in there, they couldn't be there. Don't you think that they're there because they're invading my, you know, my environment? No. I'm trying to get more of them in there. Come on in here and talk against me. Come on in here and talk against my teaching. Because this ship is going to show up, and I believe it's November the 11th month, and when that ship shows up, it crushes the best of the opposition against Yahweh through me, what can they say then? But this thing here I just read, I, I got to read this again. Admission 51. The profound respect that was paid to the Greek and Roman mysteries and the ordinary sanctity that was attributed to them induced the Christians of the second century to give their religion a mystic air in order to put it on an equal footing in point of dignity with that of the pagans, the Satan. For this purpose, they gave the name of mysteries to the institutions of the Gospels and decorated particularly the Holy Sacrament with that solemn title. They used in that sacred institution 
as also in that of baptism, several of the terms employed in the heathen mysteries and proceeded so far at length as to as even to adopt some of the rites and ceremonies of which those renowned mysteries consisted. In other words, they went and got the rites and even the ceremony of satanic mysteries and employed them and brought them into Christianity. Ooh. In Mission 52. It says, it may be further observed that the custom of teaching their religious doctrine by images, actions, signs, and other sensible representations which prevailed among the Egyptians and indeed in almost all the Eastern nations was another cause of the increase of the external rights in the church, external rights, meaning rights that wasn't in Christianity being brought into the church. Wow, oh, man. Wow, man, let me go ahead on. Let's drop down to number 56. Of the pious frauds, which this historian admits to share only a small part of the honor of contributing, to the propagation of the gospel because they were practiced by so few. He had not the alleviation to his feelings of being able to be ignorant that he had falsified that statement in innumerable passages of this and his other writings and that his whole history of the church from first to last contains not so much as a single instance of one of the fathers of the church or first preachers of the gospels who did not practice those pious frauds. Ooh, my goodness. In other words, like, Mansour, Volume 1, uh, 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 um, page 245. In other words, he was talking about some of the writers that were writing all kinds of things in defense of the Gospels and all kinds of things in Christianity, but if you went back to the founders of the church, 
or the first preachers of the gospel, you didn't, I mean, they did not practice those pious frauds. In other words, the bulk of what's in Christianity today is our pious frauds that were not practiced by the Christians in the beginning. Admission 57, the author who have treated of the innocence and sanctity of the primitive Christians have fallen into the error of supposing them to have been unspotted models of piety and virtue. And a gross error indeed it is, as the strongest testimonies to evidently prove. In other words, even though the pious frauds of the day, many of them were not practiced by the first Christians. Authors who treat them as if they were innocent and sanctified, you know, the earliest Christians as innocent, have fallen into the error of supposing them to have been unspotted models of piety and virtue, and a gross, and he says, and a gross error indeed it is, as the strongest testimonies to evidently prove. In other words, they were just as bad off in their time as the people of the day. They were just as wicked and, and, and writing false things, even though so many false things have been added into Christianity today that even they didn't worship they didn't keep in, 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 from the, in the beginning uh, of the first Christians. Admission 59. We only have a few more to go. The extravagant notions which obtained among the Christians of the primitive ages, says Dupin, sprang from the opinions of the pagan philosophers or the satanic philosophers and from the mysteries, the satanic mysteries, which crack-brained men put on the history of the Old and New Testament according to their imaginations. The more extraordinary these opinions were, the more did they relish and the better did they like them. And those who invented them published them gravely as great mysteries to the simple who were all disposed to receive them. Dupin's Short History of the Church, Volume 2, Chapter 4, as quoted by Tyndall, page 224. This is just... Let me read that, read that again. Admission 59. The extravagant notions which obtained among the Christian of the primitive ages, says Dupin, extravagant notions, that means extravagant lies and deceptions and falsehoods and practices, wrong practices. The extravagant notions which, which obtained which obtained among the Christians of the primitive ages, says Dupin, 
sprang from the, opi the opinions of the pagan or satanic philosophers and from the mysteries which crack-brained men put on the history of the Old and New Testament according to their imaginations. The more extraordinary these opinions were, the more did they relish, and the better did they like them. And those who invented them published them gravely as great mysteries to the simple who were disposed to receive them. Dupin's Short History of the Church, Volume 2, Chapter 4, as quoted by Tyndall, page 224. And these fools often in my chat rooms, who I can lock out at any time, but I choose to have them in there. Because it makes me feel more like a prophet when I have idiots, just like what's spoken here. And those who invented them, which they, these fools in my groups believe, published them gravely as great mysteries to the simple, that's them in my groups, who were all disposed to receive them. In other words, these fools in my groups, they believe what they've been taught, how they was taught, when they was taught, and everything that's been shoved down their throat except for what they don't like of the lies. Basically what they've done, they've taken what they don't like of the lies and kept that which they think is true, which is nothing but a lie, because it all comes from an ultimate lie, the New Testament and Christianity itself. Super stupid damn fools. Okay, uh, admission 62, and the name Jesus at this very day composes the ruffled minds of men, dispossesses demons, cures diseases, and works a meek, gentle, and amiable, amiable temper in all those persons who make profession of Christianity from a higher end than their worldly interests. In other words, the name Jesus straightens out the minds of men, dispossesses demons, cures diseases, and work a meek, gentle, and amiable temper in all of those persons who make profession of Christianity. In other words, Christianity calms the savage beast, in other words, you know, and then cures the demons and cures diseases. And, and, you know, but then he goes on to say, so says Origen, no Christian will for a moment think that there is any salving of the matter in such a statement. Friars, balsam, which is a medicine that you spread on something, Friars, balsam, was found in every case without fail, to heal the wound, now check this out here, 
even after a man's head was clean cut off, provided his head was set on again the right way. <laughs> Woo, the Christians and they miracles. Friars are like religious monks and stuff or whatever. You know, they would make balsams and they would, you know, uh, the early Christians, they were going around using the name Jesus to supposedly cure people, everything from mentally illness to the diseases and, oh, man, and change the temperament of people and their ball, the balsams or their, the, 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 the cream spreads or whatever they, they get, they sold to the Christians to put on their body would claim to heal in every case without fail. Wounds. Now watch this. Even after a man's head was cut off, provided his head was set on again the right way. I mean, they would use the name Jesus with all kind of fake miracles just like today. And you look on TV, these fake preachers with these lying uh, uh, Christians that's working with them, keep in mind the Christians believe. There is honor in telling a lie as long as the interest of the faith is served or the God of the religion is concerned or the church is concerned. You know, keep in mind, a Christian believe if I lie for the promotion of truth, why call you me a sinner? If my corruption goes to glorify the creator, then uh, uh, um, what, say, what can we say? We read where early Christian uh, 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 bishops and uh, learned men stated that it was common for Christians, it was considered an honor for them to lie and even to forge entire books. And these fools in my groups trash me. In order to be with them, you have to be totally ignorant of what really happened. Admission 64, St. Chrysostom declared that miracles are only proper to excite sluggish and vulgar minds, that men of sense have no occasion for them, and that they frequently carry some own toward suspicion along with them. Quoted in Middleton prefatory discourse to his letter from Rome, page 104. That these fake miracle-working, I mean, uh, uh, false miracle-working Christians, they do this not for the intelligent people, because the intelligent people can see right through it, even though they won't say anything about it. But they do it to... uh, uh, to excite sluggish and vulgar minds. And, but men of sense have no occasion for them. This is what St. Christendom says, and it's like that today. 
You see them on television, on stage, throwing crutches away, taking people out of wheelchairs. You want to know why you don't see that much anymore? It's because it's all been proven to be lies. People paid to act like they could walk. People paid to walk up like they're blind, and all of a sudden they healed. People, just like in the days old, who thought it was an honor to forge a lie, to commit unrighteousness and commit lies in the name of the creator, if it makes the masses of these uh, 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 sluggish and vulgar minds believe in the lie. We have two more. Admission 65. The great theologian uh, 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 Bolsabre, in his in his immense historia de Man, uh, Manichi, chapter two, page five sixty eight, says, "We see in the history which I have related a sort of hypocrisy that has been perhaps." But too common at all times that churchmen not only do not say what they think, but they do say the direct contrary of what they think. Philosophers in their cabinets or in their closed quarters, out of them, they are content with fable. In other words, in their church offices, Amongst each other, they're philosophers, but as soon as they come out of their church offices and get around the people, they are content with fables, which means legends that are lies, made-up stories, which have to come out of the Gospels and the New Testament, because that's what they're talking about. Though they well know that they are fables, nay more, nay more, they deliver honest men to the executioner for having uttered what they themselves know to be true, just like these fools in my group want to do. They want to kill me if they can. Some of them are going to try. And I will be hurt for the word of Yahweh. I will be hurt for this several times. But who gives a damn? Praise Yahweh. I love a death in Yahweh's name. Not being suicidal. But if death came upon me, I wouldn't give up. Fine. It makes me feel like I'm a champion. What I was doing was so powerful, they had to try to kill me. That's the reason I'm going to preach my butt off and teach my butt off until that day comes.
It says, philosophers in their cabinets, out of them, they are content with fables, though they well know that they are fables. Nay, more, they deliver honest men to the executioner for having uttered what they themselves know to be true. How many atheists and pagans have burned holy men under the pretext of heresy? Every day do hypocrites consecrate and make people adore the host, though as well convinced as I am that it is nothing but a bit of bread. In the last one, admission 66. The learned Grotius has a similar avowal. He that reads ecclesiastical history reads nothing but the roguery and folly of bishops and churchmen. Grotius, Episcopal, chapter 2022. And the author said, no man could quote higher authorities than Grotius. Ecclesiastical history is nothing more than the roguery and folly of bishops and churchmen. And all these ignorant, damnable fools in these groups are suckered by organized religion. They all have their interpretations of how parts of it ain't right, and they tell people what they believe is right and what ain't right when what they believe is right is just as much a damnable lie as what they say is unright because what they're doing, they believe in and teaching part of the Christian New Testament, part of Christianity, and uh, 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 casting away the other part and saying it ain't wrong when the whole thing is nothing but a damnable lie. The New Testament, the Gospels, Christianity, its worships, it's God, it's concepts of every aspect of everything. It's rites, it's rituals, it's holy days, I mean, uh, uh, it's ceremonies, you know, everything about Christianity from the top to the bottom is a complete and total damnable lie. And what truth is in there, it forms the pur- it serves the purpose of a lie because it guides it uses the truth to attract people to it, to attract people to the lie. Truth used for the lie. I'm calling all of you all out of Christianity. I'm calling you back to the worship of Yahweh as found in the Old Testament. I'm telling you to reject that Christian New Testament and Christianity lock, stock, and barrel and have nothing else to do with Christianity or Jesus' worship. Come back to Yahweh and learn of his laws. Come back to Yahweh.
Come back to Yahweh. Give Yahweh a chance. I'll teach you. Contact me. Keep tuning in to my message. Let only Yahweh be praised forevermore. Let only Yahweh be glorified. Go online and do a search on the name Yahweh. Go online and search, do a search on the laws of Yahweh. Do your own study. Why go into a church or listen to a Christian or somebody who claims he's not a Christian, against Christianity, but yet he's bringing you to a portion of Christianity which he believes is the truth, which is really ain't, is nothing but a lie. Because the whole Christian religion is sick. Just like when the, it was, at first there was only one Christian church, the Catholic Church, and as time went on, because of the abuses of the popes, oh, wait till you read the book, The Crimes of the Pope, you'll be stunned. But their crimes triggered Many of the cardinals saying, forget this mess. We're taking our followers and we're separating and we're no longer sending money to the Pope, to the church. We're going to keep this money from the people and build our own interpretation. So they separated from the church the, it, because it was, at once it was just one unified Christian church and it was called Catholic. So the Protestants rebelled and separated from them. but kept Jesus, the form of the worship that they could keep, that they liked, and rejected other things that they didn't like in the church. So the, the Protestant religion is nothing more, more than the relig Catholic religion without those things that the leaders of the Protestant church said that they don't like. The Protestant churches are nothing but Catholic churches that have only kept a portion of the doctrine of the Catholics and, 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 and rejected the other part of Christianity that makes up the rest of the Catholic religion. And these fools in my, in my groups that I'm letting trash me and, and work themselves up and make themselves think that they're somebody, a lot of them know that what I'm saying is true. They don't like how I say it. And they themselves have, many of them don't have nothing to do with Christianity because they know it's a deception. But they hate me because I am claiming that even the part of Christianity that they are keeping, that they approve of, and that they teach others of, it's just as much a damn lie as all the rest of Christianity because the whole head is, and from the head to the feet, is a sick, demonic, satanic religion based on lies about our, our Messiah. And to my dying breath, I will make known that the whole religion is a lie and is based on lies about our Messiah and Yahweh and the angels of heaven. And I will war to my dying breath 
in order to defend our Yahweh, to defend our Messiah, to uh, 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 defend our our angels, and to make the truth known. to as many people as I can. There is no greater greater uh, uh, effort on earth than to separate the lies about Yahweh from the truth and to separate the lies, of, um, 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 uh, the lies about our Messiah from the truth, to separate the lies about our angels from the truth, Separate the lies about heaven and what is like there from the truth and to teach that truth unconnected whatsoever from that New Testament Christian garbage and Jesus worship that ain't going to do them a damn your soul. The New Testament, except for certain books in Revelation, ain't even worth toilet paper. The doctrine is just sick. It's demented. And anybody believing that mess is going to be damned. The only thing you can do is keep Jeremiah 6.16, which says, stand you in the ways, the various religious ways, and see and ask for the old paths wherein is the good way and walk therein, and you shall find rest for your soul. This is Prophet Yahweh. Tomorrow night, We'll look at something else. You know what? Tomorrow night, I am going to start teaching on how the Messiah broke all Ten Commandments. Yes. I'll try to do it in a two-part series. You will be stunned when you see he either broken personally or instruct the people to break all Ten Commandments. And when you see it the way I'm going to teach it, it becomes clear that his God that the scribes wrote that he was professing was really Lucifer, the first Satan. It was no way that the God of the, that the scribes portrayed honoring and what he taught and his acts could have been Yahweh. These scribes lying on our Messiah about the things he said and the things he did. Tomorrow night you're gonna see it. And after the sins of hate, I mean, uh, after I show you how he broke all ten commandments, then I'm gonna focus on all the words in red in the New Testament, which they say are the exact words of Jesus. And you are going to see that the only somebody that can say those things is the devil. You know, that can't be the Messiah. He's in a constant war against Yahweh. When you see how I show you all points that Yahweh said and how the scribes wrote to our Messiah counted every last one of them in their entirety, I mean, I'm going to show, there's hundreds of them, but I'm going to show you in the New Testament, I'm going to show you the main ones. We're going to examine closely the doctrine that's a, that's attributed to our Messiah as in those Gospels, and you will be stunned because you will know there's no way that that Messiah is the true Messiah because that Messiah is not serving Yahweh. That Messiah is satanic, 
and without people knowing it, that Messiah is the devil. And 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 then when you look, and we'll look closer at the, how Jesus and Christos are really names of pagan gods, and how they switched the Messiah's name and gave him the name of these demons from hell, and wrote in their books this damnable New Testament that there is no power in heaven or on earth whereby souls are saved except the name of Jesus Christos. That's a damn lie. How can souls be saved if those names are really names of pre-Christian gods? If they're really the names of pagan gods, the only saving those names could do is save you straight into a lake of fire. This is Prophet Yahweh. See you tomorrow. Say love. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.